right, so ask and you shall receive. We do listen to our feedback, and our most recent feedback was somebody requested that we do some acid-base physiology, so hence A and D do A and B is born. It's a one-time episode, okay? Like, don't get used to this, because it's not my favorite topic in the world, but... We're going to do our best to cover it for you. Um, We're going to do some acid-base physiology, but we do have a disclaimer. Yeah, here's the deal. We're going to teach you how to do this on a test. And and honestly, in real life, it often works. Like, I usually get the answer right on picky rounds, okay? But in real life, it's a little bit more complicated than how we're going to present it today. So for all of our listeners who are, like, really amazing physiologists, don't get mad at us. This is a simplified version to help you with test questions, and it will help you in real life, too. We're just going to dumb it down. Yes. It should be A and D do A and B for dummies. Yes, there it is. That's what it's really should have been called, but, you know, whatever. All right, so I think the easiest way to start is to know what are the normals. So when you're trying to figure out if something is a respiratory alkalosis or respiratory acidosis or a metabolic or whatever the heck you're trying to figure out, you need to know three numbers. What are the numbers do you know? You need to know the pH, the bicarb, and the CO2. That's it. pH. No, we're going to say normal. So normal is 735 to 745. If you want to say 74, be my guest. So less, Keep it simple. Less than 7.4 is acid. Greater than 7.4, basic or alkalotic. Bicarb. Bicarb, normal, 25. Easy. It's easy. That's a nice round number. Less than 25 means that you don't have enough base. So you're acidotic. If you're greater than 25, it means you have too much base, so you're alkalotic. The bi- I'm so the CO2, the CO2 is your acid, okay? Its normal is 40. So if, if your acid level, so if your CO2 is greater than 40, it means you have too much acid, so you're acidotic. If it's less than 40, you have not enough acid. I just want to clarify that when I say CO2 throughout this discussion, I mean the pCO2 that you see on a blood gas, not the CO2 you see on a basic metabolic panel, which is actually the bicarb. All the values I give today are actually blood gases, not serum blood tests. And we're going to talk about how that changes in the body with respiratory and metabolic demands. You got to know the normals before you can really start to get into it. We're going to run through some blood gas, like sample blood gases, so you can think about it for yourself as you're listening and think about if this is acidosis, alkalosis, and then if it's a respiratory or metabolic problem. Right. Or sometimes both. both. So pH 7.4 is normal, bicarb 25 is normal, and CO2, pCO2 is 40. All right. If you're driving, don't do what I'm about to say. But if you're not driving, Write down the numbers that we say, because I think sometimes it's easier to do it on paper. This is true. But if you're driving, we are not responsible for your accident. All right, first one. So pH 7.25, CO2 of 65, bicarb of 25. Okay. So rule number one, what's the pH? Will you repeat it for me again? 7.25. 7.25 is less than 7.4, therefore... It is an acidotic process. So you already know that the answer is acidosis. So cross off the alkalosis. Yeah, cross them all off your test, okay? So the second word in your thing is acidosis. So now we have to decide, is it metabolic 
or is it respiratory? So now look at your bicarb. What was my bicarb? 25. Which is normal, yep. so it's probably not probably not metabolic. So that means it's respiratory, but just to confirm us, what is the what was the respi- what was the CO2? CO2 was 65. Okay. PCO2 of 65 is too high. It's greater than 40, which means you have too much acid and it's from a respiratory cause. So if your bicarb is the reason something the reason for the pH change, then it's metabolic. If your PCO2 is the reason for your pH change, it's respiratory. So a, C, a PCO2 of 65 with an acidotic PCH, respiratory acidosis. Done. It's not that hard. Done. I know it seems hard, but it's, a, it's not that hard. All right, let's do another one. Okay. All right, so pH is 7.5, the CO2 is 35, and your bicarb is 35. Okay. Rule number one, check the pH. 7.5. Right. 7.5 is an alkalotic pH greater than 7.4. So we know it's an alkalosis. So now we got to figure out which one is causing the alkalosis. So what was my bicarb? Do you even listen to me? I do, but I'm doing it for the listeners. They don't remember. <laughs> They're driving along to work. Bicarb was 35. Okay. 35. Too much base. Because you know I'm all about the base. About the base. No trouble. I'm all about the base. About the base. No trouble. Too much base. So it's making too much base. It's a metabolic alkalosis all right so next one your ph is 7.5 your pco2 is 25 and your bicarb is 25 not normal nope okay so the ph is 7.5 which is alkalotic yes okay so now we have to look at the other things so pco2 is what 25 not normal which not enough. Not enough acid, right? So there's not enough acid around, so that makes it alkalotic. And since it's the CO2 that's causing the alkalosis, we know that that's a respiratory alkalosis. Plus the bicarb was normal, totally so normal. you kind of know. But PCO2 tells you respiratory, bicarb tells you metabolic. It's the easiest way to think about it. So, so far we've covered respiratory acidosis and alkalosis. We did a metabolic alkalosis. So we got one more to cover. The big daddy. The big daddy. All right. pH is 7.2. PCO2 is 40. And your bicarb is 15. Okay. So pH is acidotic. These are like the sickest of the sick when you get a gas like this. Yeah, but I do feel like a bicarb of 15 is not profound enough for that pH. Fine. You want to make it a bicarb of 10? I mean, there's probably a formula, which we'll cover in a little bit, that would tell us, but I'm not going to get into that. So, P, uh, the pH was 7.2. That's acidotic. All right. You told me my bicarb is 10. All right. So, that is not enough base around. So, if there's not enough base around, then you're acidotic. And so, now you know that that bicarb was the cause of your acidosis, making it a metabolic acidosis. Exactly. And I mean, we're going to cover more things, but typically your DK is like a pH of 7 and yeah, a bicarb of like 5. This, right. So you know that they are going to be sick when you have a straight-up metabolic uh, acidosis. And then you're, when they're not compensating from a respiratory standpoint, then you have a whole nother can of worms. Oh, so don't why don't... Them. Yeah, why don't we do some compensated ones and see how that looks? Okay, that sounds great. Let's do it. The thing is, there are two ways they can compensate. 
respiratory or metabolically, okay? So if you have a metabolic acidosis, the only way to compensate is the other thing. So if you are metabolic, you compensate with a respiratory standpoint. You gotta breathe off the extra acid. It's the only way to do it is to drive your CO2 down to get rid of some of your acid. So you breathe really fast. So that is why I think DKA is a great example. These patients often look like they're almost in respiratory distress, but there's nothing wrong with their lungs. And it's because they're doing this weird breathing. It's called Kussmaul, which I'm sure most of you have heard of. But they're trying to breathe off all their PCO2 to help their pH normalize. So you often will see kind of a compensation. Now, it is really important to remember that you don't compensate yourself back to a normal pH. So if you have a normal pH and you have all these wonky things with your PCO2 and your bicarb, you did not compensate yourself back to a normal pH. You actually have a mixed disorder. We'll get into that in a second. But to compensate for a metabolic acidosis, you breathe too fast. To compensate for a metabolic alkalosis, you would breathe too slow because you would want to retain your PCO2. Unfortunately, that comes with its own host of problems. Like you start dying. Because you can only breathe so slow to a point. A respiratory rate of zero is not compatible with life. The other way they compensate is metabolically, and this is through their kidneys. I think it's important to remember that, like, you can breathe a quicker rate, like, pretty quickly. Like, if I tell you to hyperventilate, you can do it, like, do it right now. You can do it. But Are you doing it? You should be doing it, everyone listening. But if you need your kidneys to compensate, which is how metabolic compensation occurs, it takes some time. There's a bunch of hormones involved and a bunch of stuff that I don't really even understand, to be honest. But it takes time. So you don't usually see metabolic compensation for a couple of days, like two, three kind of days. So that's why like respiratory acidosis those tend to not have much compensation unless it's a chronic um, respiratory condition. But then for the like for metabolic alkalosis, that's where all of your numbers are going to be high. A, com- a compensated one is you just kind of you're just every you're trying to slow down your breathing, so you're bringing your CO two up, and then you've got a your bicarb is coming up as well, and you have a pH that's alkalotic as well. So all of your numbers are elevated while you're trying to compensate. I do want to touch on one thing because someone will send us on Twitter, hey, you never talked about that thing. So in real life, the best way to know if something is compensating or a mixed fixture is to use Winter's formula, which is this formula <laughs> of a, a num- numbers, which I'm going to tell you right now. It's P, uh, the expected PaCO2 equals one and a half times the CRM bicarb plus or, plus eight plus or minus two. So as you can tell, that's like, I know you all are like, I don't even know what that sounds like. Look it up. In real life, that's the best way to use it. On the boards, the trick is if the pH has normalized, you are talking a mixed picture. So a mix like a respiratory acidosis with a metabolic alkalosis, that would give you a normal pH. But a compensation will never get you back to a normal pH. It might get you close, but it's not going to get you all the way there. Yep, that makes sense. All right, so this is a classic case that always comes up that gives you a good idea about acidosis, alkalosis. So you have an infant that comes in vomiting, looks pretty puny. You get a VBG back, which is a pH of 7.55, a CO2 of 55, and a bicarb of 48. You get some lab work, and you get back a chloride of 90, 
and your bicarb is 45. What about potassium? Potassium is 2.5. Okay. So let's start with that VBG. pH of 7.55 is an alkalotic process. We know it's alkalosis, so now we got to think about it. The PCO2 is abnormal. It's 55, which is too high, which really is too much acid. So now I know that the CO2, or the respiratory, is not the problem because it's causing a lot of acid, and we have an alkalotic pH. So now i got to look at my bicarb, and you told me my bicarb was 48, mm -hmm. which is too high. So now i got too much base around again. So now I know that the, it's a metabolic cause of the metabolic alkalosis. Now the other stuff is interesting. So you have a low chloride and a low potassium. So hypochloremic metabolic alkalosis is classic for... I asked you the question. This pyloric is stenosis. Pyloric stenosis. And it kind of makes sense, actually. Those kids vomit up a ton, and they lose all their gastric secretions. They're puking up all the acids. All the acids are leaving. And so you get basically a deficiency of acid. So you get... Hypokalemic, yep. hypochloremic, metabolic alkalosis. alkalosis. And the chloride goes down because of the HCl that's caught is the stomach acid. So that Cl gets vomited up, so you lose a lot of chloride. And the potassium goes low because of this... I don't know if you remember back to your, you know, medical school step one stuff that none of us like to remember, but there is a transporter on all the cells, not all the cells, but a bunch of the cells, that basically when you're alkalotic, your body's trying to compensate, so it's putting protons back into the into the serum and into the blood, and in exchange for the, the hydrogen ions, the H's, it gets potassium back into the cells. So your measured potassium goes down, even though maybe your whole body potassium has not changed. And there's a class of medications that often cause uh, alkalosis as well, metabolic alkalosis. Yeah, yeah, I see this on cardiology. Yes, you do. The loop and thiazide diuretics do exactly. that. Exactly. Yeah. So that's something that you may give a presentation of something that looks alkalotic, and they tell you that they were just started on new medication. They may ask you which medication it was, diuretics. But not all diuretics are created equally no. because if they're on spironolactone, um, or acetazolamide, those actually cause acidosis. So loops and thiazides, alkalosis, and spironolactone and acetazolamide acidosis. Okay, let's talk the thing that probably everyone's like, why haven't you covered this yet? It's been like 20 minutes. Elevated gap metabolic acidosis. Alright, so you've determined that it's an acidosis, and now you need to calculate your gap to see if you have an anion gap acidosis. You've determined it's a metabolic acidosis, yes. right? Because we don't care about More specifically. Yeah. So you need your sodium value, your chloride value, and your bicarb value to determine an anion gap. So you're going to take your serum sodium, and you're going to subtract that from your chloride plus your bicarb. Okay. And that's going to give you your gap. Normal is? I don't know. I say 15. I think it's a little bit less than that, but for all intents and purposes, real metabolic acidosis, you'll get it. Like a real gap, you get something more than 15. Yeah, so they say 8 to 12 in the resources that we use for, for preparing this, but I think 15 is probably an easy way to remember as well. They, we will look at non-gap acidosis, meaning that they have a normal anion gap. 
And then we'll also look at gap acidosis, which we'll get to use everybody's favorite mnemonic for. I love that one. So I won't, I'm not going to even say it yet. Not you yet. have to keep listening. So let's just start with a normal anion gap. These are things that you're going to lose your bicarb. So lots of diarrhea. If you have problems with your kidney, you're just spilling out all of your bicarbs. So you're going to get a non-anion gap acidosis. Renal tubular dysfunction, which we're not even going to get into, but that is something that can give you a non-gap acidosis as well. The dreaded renal tubular acidosis. Oh. We're not doing it today. Nope. Nobody wants to talk about that. And then uh, just regular old kidney dysfunction can kind of cause a metabolic acidosis. And then also adrenal insufficiency. Oh, that's a, that's a fancy yep. one. But the most common cause and the most high-yield cause for a non-gap acidosis it's just diarrhea. All the diarrhea. It's all gone. Chlor- uh, cholera. Oh, yeah. Exactly. Okay. So let's f- get to the real fun one. All right. The f- the What you've been waiting for. So mud piles for your anion gap acidosis. Okay. My favorite one. M. These are all the causes of elevated gap metabolic acidosis. Mud piles. M. Methanol. Methanol. Okay, so these are your alcoholics or, I guess, there's adolescents who drink, but they're drinking methanol instead of alcohol. And they're going blind. And they sometimes they get it off moonshine. That's, mm-hmm. that's like, kind of classic, so. M, methanol. U. Uremia. So, like, kidney failure. D. DKA. Which we've already we've covered a little much, bit. But diabetic so ketoacidosis. They have that big gap. Mm-hmm. Too small breathing. Big gap. They look kind of like crap. P. Okay, this one's dumb. It's paraaldehyde. It's just in there. But P also stands for paracetamol. Which for all of you in the United States, that's acetaminophen. Or dialenol. And for all of our international listeners, you know what paracetamol is. And then I will be ingestions. And then also iron and isoniazid. Yep, so isoniazid, remember if they're seizing, they get B6. These are kind of things that are often tested. Isoniazid is the treatment for TB. They'll have someone in the family with TB, and the kid comes in with a metabolic gap, acidosis, and seizures, and give them B6. They have B6 You guys just never know what kind of bonus nuggets you're going to get when we go off on a tangent. It's true. All right, where okay, are we Okay, we, we did mud, and we did PI. I think we're on L. Lactic acid. Lactic acid. So that's like bad sepsis, gut, you know, dead gut, anything that makes your acid go up you can get this from exactly so e we're going to cover some more alcohols ethylene glycol and ethanol itself can do it ethylene glycol is like the i think the most tested one you can have like crystals in the urine you dialyze this off Um, there's usually some story like a three-year-old that's playing in the garage with dad and then they like get sick and drink some some kind of gatorade like thing it kind of looks like yellow gatorade it does it's stupid but and then S. Round it off. Salicylates. Which is aspirin. Yep. Or any, or like salicylate, you know, they have like those creams. Yeah, you can that. actually get an acidosis. You can get very sick from too much topical as well. And salicylates are also dialyzable. That is true. All right, so there's mud piles. Okay. Do you want to put your cat in there as well? Because yeah, cat mud piles. Listen, there's another little mnemonic that they didn't teach in med school, and it's cat mud piles. It's C-A-T. So C, carbon monoxide and cyanide, A, aminoglycosides, and T, 
toluene, so like glue sniffing, which is an adolescent thing. I doubt those will be on the boards because it's a little less like everyone knows it, but you will look really smart on rounds if you remember those ones. So, because people don't know them, C, carbon monoxide, and cyanide, A, aminoglycosides, and T, toluene or glue sniffing. Alright guys, I hope that that was a decent review of acid and base for you. Just remember you need to know your pH, your CO2, and your bicarb. Write them down, look at them, figure out which direction they're going from normal, and that'll help you figure out what type of alkalosis or acidosis you have. Good luck!